paging Ray and TJ to the Fantasy OR. Welcome to the Fantasy OR. I'm Ray. And I'm TJ. And we are back with another week of injury breakdowns for you. We want to thank everybody who uh, listened to our first podcast. We really appreciate all the feedback and the activity on Twitter. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at the Fantasy OR, or you, if you have any questions, you can email us at thefantasyor at gmail.com. One of the things we did want to do is try to kind of uh, add a little more structure. Over the next 16 weeks, we're going to break down all eight divisions, and we're going to deep dive into each team and all of the biggest injuries that happened over the last year. We're going to break down each injury and go a little more in depth so we can learn about each and the ramifications that they'll have for the upcoming season. So today we're going to start with the NFC West, and we're going to go over some of the key uh, injuries. If we uh, miss anything or you have any questions on a different player that we don't touch, please feel free to reach out to us. So starting with the NFC West, let's begin with the Seahawks. All right. So the Seahawks... uh, had a lot of injuries last year. We won't talk about Russell Wilson because he's no longer on their team. But we will start out with Chris Carson. Chris Carson uh, started out the season, played four games. He ran for 232 yards and three touchdowns. And then during practice before week five, he got put on the injury list with a neck injury. And the Seahawks were very vague about it in the beginning. Coach Carroll called it a vertebrae spot issue. And I really didn't know what that meant, so I tried looking it up, and it really could mean anything from inflammation or it could be a tumor. So I'm going to lean towards more that it was inflammation, and the Seahawks were very vague about it, and they, as most teams can be with injuries. That's going to be one of the most challenging things about this podcast is that teams can be very vague with injuries. Well, HIPAA laws, you can't really... Say too much, I guess, right? Well, they're trying to not give the advantage to their competition, which I completely understand. That also. So, do a lot of guesswork. But in this case, uh, in Chris Carson ended up having a cervical fusion in December. What that means is, is that they're going to fuse the vertebrae together. So they're going to remove the cartilage, or in this case, the disc um, that was between the two bones, and they're going to screw them together with hardware so and and the hope is that they can grow and become one so that you're really you're taking out the joint and there is no movement in that uh, where there used to be movement so this is this is actually a very delicate procedure the recovery time is uh, about six months to a year one of the biggest hurdles to overcome with this injury is muscle strength um, which may take several months to return to normal so when you're dealing with neck injuries in the NFL, obviously everybody's very cautious. We've seen players from Sterling Sharp to Jermichael Finley to Cam Chancellor. These players get these neck injuries and they get cleared to play. Sometimes these players don't see the field again. So there is an actual criteria for the NFL to, for players to return after a neck injury or a spinal injury. The first one is that they have to be neurologically intact, so they can't have any uh, lingering neurological issues. Um, they must be asymptomatic, so um, 
They must be pain-free and have full strength and full range of cervical motion. So what full range of cervical motion means is that they must be able to uh, touch their uh, chest with their chin, and they also must be able to touch their go from their left shoulder to their right shoulder with their chin. So they're... I never knew that before, that they actually have to have a, a set criteria in order to come back. Um, the Seahawks are very optimistic about Chris Carson, and the big question is, can he take a hit? So we won't really know until he gets onto the field for OTAs and uh, preseason. I, c- I consider this to be a huge risk, not knowing whether he's even going to take a snap in 2022. Uh, in redraft, I'm assuming he'd go really late, so you, you might be able to get a decent value pick if he does return to play, but he'll also be splitting time with Richard Penny, so it's definitely a risk to draft him. If you have him in Dynasty, I'd say the real only option would be to hold on to him for now unless somebody comes at you with an offer you can't refuse. Talking, Moving on to his teammate, uh, DK Metcalf. This may have been thrown under the radar a little bit, but uh, DK Metcalf actually had off-season surgery on his foot. Um, to have a, uh, some irritable hardware removed. So he had a screw removed from a previous surgery, and that basically is going to leave a void in the bone where the screw was, and that needs time to heal. Um, during the surgery, it was probably backfilled with some sort of bone void filler. It's going to take six to eight weeks to recovery because that's how long it takes for bone to grow. Um, and I'm guessing by come training camp, he should be 100% to go. The only big question he has is who's going to be throwing him the football. Speaking of guys throwing the football, as we move on to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Kyler Murray also had some injuries. He had an ankle sprain in week eight. So he ended up missing three games, weeks nine, 10, and 11. And then he was questionable week uh, 12, but then he did actually play. Uh, And he actually came back and played really well. So based on the fact that he did miss three games, I'm going to assume that it was a grade one strain. Uh, Let me expand a little more on what a sprain actually is, though. So a sprain is when a ligament is stretched or torn. So it's it's stretched beyond its normal capacity. It's classified by three grades. Grade one is a overstretching or the ligament is slightly torn. Grade two, there's usually a partial tear. Um, And then grade three is a complete tear or rupture. Um, Grade three generally results in surgery. I got a quick question for you. Did they say whether it was a high ankle sprain or a low ankle sprain? I think it was a low ankle sprain, was it not? I don't think it was classified specifically just as an ankle sprain, but it was not a high ankle sprain to my knowledge because generally they call that out. Um, high ankle sprains tend to have a longer healing time as well. They usually keep a player sidelined a little bit longer. So only missing the three games, probably a low ankle sprain. Most likely I'm going to make the assumption it was probably grade one. Now, after he did come back, he did start off pretty good, and he had a a really great game in Week 12, but then his play started to to get a little bit more poor throughout the rest of the season. Um, I do contribute that, though, to DeAndre Hopkins' injury, which happened in Week 13. After Week 12, Kyler Murray's QB rating did not exceed 106, and it was actually as low as 72 twice over that period, so... He wasn't doing as well, but he had a lot less weapons on the field. Now, expanding on DeAndre Hopkins a little bit, uh, he had a couple of injuries. He did have a hamstring injury, but he also did have some issues with his knee. He ended up having MCL surgery um, in late December, 
which does have an estimated recovery time of about six weeks. He is currently rehabbing still. Back on March 28th, he did just uh, post a pool workout that he was doing to his Instagram. And he's also been kind of sharing on Instagram the fact that he's been using Thermabody Jet Boots, which are a pressure massaging recovery boot that's helping increase the circulation in his legs, get that blood flow going to help uh, stimulate his muscles. So I'm anticipating his recovery is going to be pretty good. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, right? Do you realize how good DeAndre Hopkins is? Well, I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins, but I mean, the Houston did text trade him away for a bag of peanuts. So how good is he? So previous to 2021, he only had two seasons out of eight under 1,000 yards receiving. He's now played nine seasons in the NFL, so he's had three underperforming seasons, let's call it. But other than that, he's basically been a top 10 receiver. 2020, he finished fourth overall for fantasy. 2019, fifth. 2018, first. 2017, second. So his overall production over the course of his career has been incredibly good. Uh, Kyler Murray's going to be coming back. I really rate him as a very, very low risk, almost no risk. There's always a chance with an ankle sprain that you may come back and re-aggravate it, and he is more susceptible to sprains in the future. But, you know, building up some ankle strength, I think he'll be okay. And DeAndre Hopkins should come back, and I don't see a lot of risk with him either. So those two this year are going to pair together pretty well and uh, really be a, a good force for their offense. The one, the one thing that scares me about DeAndre Hopkins is he is getting up there in age. And as you get older... Uh, it takes more time to heal. Cells do not multiply and divide the same way they do when you're younger. So that is the one thing that I'm a little bit worried about. I'm not saying he can't come back from it. I'm just saying that he might lose a step along the way. And that goes with anybody who's getting older in this game. Very true. The one positive for Hopkins is that an MCL is not as bad as an ACL injury. So his recovery time is less. It's, it's less of a supporting ligament. So there is some risk, as there is with after every injury, but um, I do think he's going to be a little bit lower on the, the risk factor. And when you have these extreme athletes, and they are outliers, and the fact that he has been so good and so dominant, is he going to fall off at some point? Yes, absolutely. His age will catch up with him, but I don't think it's going to be this year. I, I'd feel confident in him for this upcoming season. So Matthew Stafford had a minor cleanup procedure done on his th- throwing thumb. And usually when you see a cleanup procedure, it means they're going in and they're cleaning up scar tissue or maybe some osteophytes. Osteophytes are little segments of bone that are growing where they shouldn't be. And basically this is usually in in conjuncture with a procedure that's done previous. And Matthew Stafford did have an injury to his thumb a few years ago. So I'm not really worried about this at all. Probably very minor, minimally invasive. They, they said he's not going to miss any off-season workouts, and I fully expect him to be ready to go to start the season, um, and I fully expect him to be a top-12 fantasy quarterback. Um, I would even put him above some of the other top-tier guys uh, with the weapons that they went out and got for him with Allen Robinson. So he started out last year at an MVP pace, and I expect him to pick up right where he left off. Now behind him in the backfield, you got two backs that are also coming off injuries. you got Daryl Henderson. Uh, who's coming off a grade 2 MCL sprain. TJ just went into the different grades of uh, ligament sprains. So grade 2 means he had a partial tear, um, was able to heal uh, without surgery, 
Uh, he came back for the Super Bowl, and he had a whopping four carries with for seven yards. This is usually a minor injury for running backs. Uh, Aaron Jones had one midseason 2021, and uh, he, he only missed uh, two weeks or one week of play because one was a bye injury. So these guys usually come back fairly quick from this injury. Not worried about Daryl Henderson at all. Now, on the other hand, his counterpart, Cam Akers, who also came back fairly quickly from a much larger injury, we talked a little bit about Cam Akers in the last episode, so I'll try not to run too much into this. But we know a few things about running backs and Achilles injuries and in that they don't go well. And that there's a long list of running backs who lost their career and never saw the field with an Achilles injury. Akers returned to play an incredibly quick pace, six months, and an injury that normally takes 9 to 12 months to heal. And he played a couple games in the playoffs. He had 67 carries for 102 yards. Not really uh, anything to talk about there at a 2.6 yards per carry. He also tagged on eight receptions and uh, on 10 targets for 76 yards. No touchdowns. I don't know what to, I don't exactly know what to do with these stats because he is coming off an Achilles, and I, I don't know how this is going to pro- how this projects for 2022. I can tell you this that I'm going to steer clear of this injury. Uh, for, in order for me to draft Cam Akers and redraft leagues. Uh, he's definitely going to have to fall down the board unless I see something in preseason that just jumps off the page. And I'm not going to be reaching out and buying him at current cost at, in Dynasty right now either. Moving on to San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo had a couple of injuries himself. Uh, he ended up tearing a ligament in his right thumb in Week 16, and then he also had a shoulder sprain in the wild card game. Uh, as we kind of mentioned earlier, uh, sprain, that's the ligament getting stretched or possibly torn. For Jimmy, it was enough that he was able to play through it. I suspect it was probably an AC joint, which is kind of at the top of your shoulder. Uh, my belief on that is mostly just because it, it did impede his range of motion, but uh, it was probably more of a grade 1 or even a grade 2 to begin with. He did end up having surgery on March 8th, so I'm sure playing through it did worsen the injury as time went on. Making the assumption that it's an AC joint injury, it is a relatively common injury. So I don't have a lot of worries with his throwing arm. He's going to be back to normal. Players usually recover fully after shoulder surgery. There was a 12-year study of NFL players that out of 2,486 shoulder injuries, 717 were AC joints. So that's about 30%. So it is a pretty common injury, and players usually come back to, to pretty much full strength afterwards. So... I'm not really worried for his throwing arm. I think he's going to have the same power that he did beforehand, and uh, he should be able to find a team this upcoming year at some point and and be a serviceable quarterback. Moving on, the next player I'd like to talk about from San Francisco is Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he had he had several injuries over the course of the season. He did end up missing about six games. Various injuries from shoulder injury, rib injury, finger injury, knee injury, and a concussion. So he definitely had a lot going on. Overall, with his injuries from this past season, I'm not too worried. None of them were major injuries where it should be something that's going to linger or kind of carry on for multiple seasons. I think that having the offseason to fully recover, he should come back to preseason at full strength and be able to hopefully uh, carry the full workload this year. Well, that sums up our recap of the injuries of the NFC West. Next time, which should be in about two weeks, Uh, We're going to be taking a look at the NFC North and our beloved Green Bay Packers and then those other teams. Please follow us on Twitter at TheFantasyOR. 
on Instagram at the Fantasy OR, or you can email us at the Fantasy OR at gmail.com. Please subscribe and tell your friends.